You're listening to the Ministry Grow Show, brought to you by Reliant Creative, the creative agency for gospel-centered ministries. Find out more at ReliantCreative.org. Welcome to the Ministry Grow Show, a podcast dedicated to helping churches and ministries grow and make more effective impacts for the kingdom of God in an ever-changing digital world. Whether you're building and growing a gospel-centered ministry or leading a church, if you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. Today on the show, I'm going to be talking with Dr. Ravi Jayakaran. He is the president and CEO of Medical Ambassadors International. Ravi, thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. So can you tell us about Medical Ambassadors and maybe share your role, um, what that looks like within the organization, and then share kind of what you are most excited about with um, recently with the ministry? Uh, Yeah, sure. Uh, My pleasure to do that. Uh, Medical Ambassadors International is a Christian not-for-profit organization that started in 1980. So we're in our 40th year of celebration. Wow. And um, it's um, it's progressed in its uh, sort of profile from when it got started. Uh, as the name suggests, Medical Ambassadors was uh, uh, set in place uh, to make medical services available to people in need around the globe. And uh, essentially, that's the way we got started. And I usually describe it this way. We went through Uh, four stages. In the initial stages, we were making a provision of uh, medical services available to those in the field. Mm -hmm. And then it transitioned from provision to more prevention as we began to see that we were treating the same cases over and over again, uh, you know, for the same people. So, you know, prevention is better than cure, as they say. And we, we saw that uh, 70, 80% of uh, diseases could be prevented uh, by having clean water and proper sanitation. And so uh, provision was the first transition to prevention about a decade into its work. And then uh, discovered this uh, tool called community health evangelism that we sort of birthed and enabled to grow. And so the third stage was integration, integrating it into our ministry. Um, And it's beyond just the health aspect. So we could prevent disease. And then communities were asking, now, how do we survive? So we started looking at other things like um, uh, microenterprise and uh, agriculture, development, animal husbandry. And so this process of integrating these uh, other things into the whole transformational development part came in. And also at this stage, there was uh, incorporated into the program uh, what we call uh, ministry through the word as well as deed, because we saw that it's not just the physical that needs transformation, but also the spiritual. So we were both uh, focusing on the word and deed. And then the fourth stage was a stage of consolidation, consolidating all that we were doing to rationalize it, to make it more cost effective, uh, to see that there were you know, clearly defined lesson plans for everything we were doing. So it became easier to multiply it. So that's how community health evangelism emerged. Uh, and that's the name for it. And maybe I'll talk about um, uh different names that we use for it Uh, but today we are in 40 countries with our own teams and an additional 35 countries uh, through partnerships Uh, across the globe we work in 2582 communities wow acting a total population of uh, 2.582 million people so that's where we are on that. Uh, we are uh, in the stage of the fifth stage, which is expanding uh, what we have done. Uh, and now that it's more integrated and consolidated, 
and balanced uh, between the sharing of word and deed, which is integral mission, we are in a stage to expand uh, into two new regions. We are now in eight regions around the world, but uh, to add another two regions and also expand in the existing regions. So that's what I'm excited about. We have a team of really dedicated staff, part-time staff, missionaries, as well as many, many volunteers. In fact, the strength of our organization is that we have 50,800 volunteers around the globe. So it's really exciting. Yeah, that's really exciting. Now, uh, when I met you recently, one of the things that I came away from our conversation was that you have one of the most impressive resumes of anybody that I've ever met in the ministry space. Can you share maybe a summarization of, of your experience and your background uh, working in ministry? Uh, yeah. Uh, thank you for those kind words. Um, uh, I started uh, my career uh, a long time ago, um, focused most on being a technical person and uh, that that was my background. I started off as a doctor of veterinary medicine and uh, specialized in dairy cattle production because that was the need in my country at that point of time. Uh-huh. And we were developing a new breed of animal that would um, uh, be more high in milk production, but also not beefy because in India, as you know, they don't eat beef. Right. We were developing this new uh, new breed of animal. So that's where my initial training began. So being technical and then arose to the head of the department uh, in the corporate sector as I was working uh, in animal husbandry. And God began something unique. Fifteenth uh, year of practice. Uh, at the peak of my career, really engaged at the cutting edge in developing new uh, technology and uh, uh, strategizing for, you know, this transformation in the uh, cattle population. Mm-hmm. God asked me to set it aside uh, and uh, got me to understand more integrated development. Uh, and uh, so God added to this. Uh, the uh, not just the animal husbandry, but agriculture and silviculture and sericulture and uh, education, cottage industries, human health care. And so uh, it ended up with me becoming the head of the corporate social responsibility of the organization I was working for, this time on the eastern side of India. It was a corporate house uh, that was... Uh, dedicated to corporate uh, to of course it was an industry mm-hmm. and this was one uh, aspect of their work was corporate social responsibility in those days they call it industrial relations so that's uh, where i ended up being the head of that and then very disappointed that it was only looking though it was integrated it was only looking at the physical and so i ended up joining uh, world vision in india and uh, stayed with them for 11 years, first in India, then in Cambodia, in China, and then uh, back in Cambodia with the Asia-Pacific region. And here it was understanding better holistic development. And those days, uh, holistic development was considered to be, you know, the, the four boxes, they called it, physical, mental, social, and spiritual. Uh more integrated, but still uh, in separate boxes. Compartmentalized. Compartmentalized. So I got involved a lot with uh, Dr. Bryant Myers and as we researched this and finding ways of becoming more integral in this whole process. Meanwhile, God continued my journey and I ended up um, working uh, in Cambodia and China and the Asia-Pacific region, as I mentioned. And all along, he was teaching me uh, the kind of interventions that were relevant to transformation. It wasn't dependent on uh, resources the way I thought it was. And uh, 
and how to do it was not a top-down approach, but a bottom-up approach engaging mm. communities. And so uh, even through this journey that I took from India to the larger Asia region and then to Africa and uh, then global, uh, this became more clear. And uh, finally, uh, when we moved to the U.S., I was overseeing uh, a lot of uh, field countries. Uh, the clarity became even more uh, sort of obvious. Uh, got involved with the Luzon Global Movement and ended up becoming the catalyst for integral mission. And uh, I guess in, uh, I'll explain that uh, integral mission. Essentially, it is how do we take the uh, the physical and the supernatural, but more from a uh, spiritual perspective and integrate the two together. Uh, and uh, so that's what integral mission is. The, uh, you know, the entire physical as well as the spiritual coming together. So that's a journey God took me on. The journey included working with uh, uh, World Vision, which is a global conglomerate uh, one of the largest, in, uh, in fact, the largest Christian organization in the world. Uh-huh. And then to work with the Asian Development Bank, which is uh, like the World Bank in Asia, and then also with the United Nations Development Program. So it's a sort of a broad spectrum that God uh, gave me the opportunity to experience, uh, gave me a clearer vision what he wanted me to do to have a an approach that was simple community owned community run uh, community empowering not dependent on, heavily on resources mm-hmm. but one that uh, could self propagate and so that's what i'm involved in now uh, community health evangelism that's great so can can you explain maybe or define on the ground what it looks like the what the difference between holistic development this more compartmentalized approach to integral mission where you have a, a focus on the entire physical and spiritual and supernatural elements of a people and a community like what is what does that look like on the ground when you're working with communities that you're serving um, because uh, on paper, it can kind of maybe seem like there's a lot of similarities between holistic development and integral mission. Uh, but obviously, you would argue that those two things are very drastically different. So what is – can you walk us through what that – some of those differences look like? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, um, there are various terms people use. One is uh, holistic development spelled with an H. Mm-hmm. And the holistic development spelt with a W. And uh, that happened because there were people who, uh, especially among Christians, who were talking about holistic development. Uh-huh. Still, you know, trying to be heavily focused on the evangelism part. Uh, holistic development really is um, sharing the good news of the gospel through word and deed. And that's, I would say, the simplest way of calling it that. Uh, I use the example of a zipper. Like if you're wearing a jacket mm-hmm. and if the right side of your jacket is uh, word, the left side is deed. Uh, in order for the zipper to hold, you have to put it into what is called a slider and perfectly align the two sides and the zipper works. And integral mission is the part <clears throat> that has both word and deed together. So where the uh, zipper has meshed, that is integral mission. Now what happens is sometimes people uh, look at integral mission as the counterbalance. We're heavily on the word in some place, so you create a counterbalance through deed. Or uh-huh. heavily on the deed and you create a counterbalance through word. And it, it's not one or the other, but both. 
And it's not using one in order to do the other. So sometimes you have a church that has a mission trip to do certain things, but just to get the attention and the right to speak to the people and preach to them. Right. So their intention was only to preach, but the deed was the means by which they did. Whereas integral mission was both together. Now, this uh, term integral mission came into being uh, several years ago, maybe about, yeah, about eight, ten years ago. Um, it was coined when several groups came together uh, who were involved in holistic mission and tried to define it clearly. And if you go to the Accord Network a website, you'll see the standards of excellence for integral mission, uh, where they bring in, you know, what does it mean? How would it uh, manifest itself? What does it involve? And so that became the, the sort of terminology to use something that's new and different so that it defined more clearly what was expected to happen. It wasn't one in order to do the other, mm -hmm. one was not the bait in order to catch, but it was both together because that's how Jesus preached. He shared the good news through word as well as deed. Right. Uh, there are several organizations that use different terminology. So there is the group that says holistic mission, spelling it with a W or an H. Uh, there are those that would call it integral mission, um, there are those that would call it transformational development. Uh, and it all really means the same. Uh, though, of course, sometimes people might talk about integral mission. And what they're really talking about is just integrated development as part of their mission. I think this is a journey. It takes time before people fully understand uh, what the mission is. Mm -hmm. uh, what integral mission is. And, and this becomes real because if you take a, a sort of a survey uh, of organizations, all Christian organizations and churches, and look to see how many of them are really truly doing uh, integral mission, it would be probably about 2 to 3% that do integral mission. <laughs> this is of the global church. Wow. And global Christian organizations. <clears throat> it's a very appalling figure because uh, integral mission is what God called us to be involved in. So, you know, again, using the example, the analogy of the zipper, uh, to say it in a very crass way, Satan has left the church unzipped and, yeah. uh, you know, exposed uh, right. to weakness. And so it's a relentless pursuit to bring both together in our uh, way forward. Yeah, this this idea of word and deed, I think, is so incredibly important. I, we see a lot of organizations that are, quote unquote, faith based. But when you look closely at how they function, there's definitely a heavier weight on the uh, deed part of the equation. So how would you how would you encourage organizations that may be deed focused or deed heavy? Uh, how can they incorporate the, the the word element or the discipleship making element uh, that that word side of the equation into what they're doing, um, and not not in a way that's compartmentalized, but in a way that is as, as this integral mission um, term def defines what that can look like. Yeah, just just like we were talking about, um, you know, people who say they're doing holistic mission <clears throat> really mean several things. In, and faith-based also ends up falling into that same category. Uh, some mean when they say we're faith-based means we are Christians doing community transformation. Right. Um, or, you know, faith-based in, in their pursuit of uh, uh, you know, that what defines them. Uh, again, uh, this happens because, uh, you know, donors uh, are supporting certain things. So they, they, there's a sort of trend to look at holistic mission. And so everyone tries to sort of conform. Uh, 
and align mm-hmm. themselves to be uh, you know faith based doing that kind of thing word and deed so uh, they might get all their jargon right but when you actually visit the field what you see is either a leaning to one side or the other and i usually tell people to to do something like this you know on a sheet of paper write word on one side on the left and deed on the right side and then uh, make two boxes so uh, the one for deed a box and word as a separate box and then take 10 seeds and distribute it between these two boxes are you more uh, heavily towards the deed or word what you should be doing is five seeds in the word and five in deed but you end up you know leaning to one side so right but uh, just natural because you know physical needs when you engage in a community are more obvious yeah and uh, more urgent and uh, as you know by default as human beings we lean towards the urgent and sometimes move away from the important you know so the right. same same risk is here so it might end up being seven on the deed side three on the word side and if you're not careful that'll become 8291 and it keeps moving in the direction of uh, you know what's most obvious and uh, i think the answer is right there in that Uh, because the needs are clearly visible mm-hmm. we focus more on deed so in the community as we engage with them are we also looking to see uh, and find out more about their spiritual needs and their spiritual pursuit and their spiritual status where is that and then does this become as clearly visible as a need for us to bring a greater balance and put more of the seeds from the right side to the left so that we are closer to a balance it's a constant battle to continue to do that and and uh, you know sometimes you just like in management you know you pursue the urgent at the cost of the important uh, yeah which is you know and then it's in balance so it's not you know you have some people uh, who would go completely counterbalance and say you know the what what is most important is their spiritual future and so i'll focus only on that right and it's not one or the other it's both and i think that's the call that god gives us in whatever you do do it as unto the lord in word and deed mhm And, and I assume there's uh, a temptation to lean more towards the deed just because those things can be quantified so much easier. We fed this many people, we healed this many people, yeah. we yeah. rescued this many people, we served this <laughs> many communities. Like those are those are things that are a little bit easier to quantify. And so when you're thinking about communicating that to a donor base and 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 sharing that for your fundraising purposes, those numbers that are easier to quantify. uh can tend to become more important in your communication because like that is at least the mindset of of ministry leaders like that's going to drive increased growth and and you know f- fun support so i I'm, i'm i'm assuming that's where a lot of the drift comes from yes and you know it's um it's an easier sell to focus only on the physical needs yeah uh easy solutions like someone sick fix it giving them medicines this is what it costs mm-hmm. easy fix solutions you know uh are easier to sell to donors as it were right uh, whereas uh, you know things like community health evangelism which is more holistic more integral uh is a process it talks more about being self aware it talks more about Uh, solutions uh, that can be you know that people are able to find themselves and uh, explore self manage self propagate those don't appeal so much to a donor who might be looking for an easy fix 
So it's a process of teaching. But once convinced a donor then is on board with understanding that, it's a longer process. And, uh, you know, donor and doning, uh, donor funds can easily shift the direction of organization. And that's a big risk. You know, yeah. you have to survive. So the, uh, the donor push can take you in a direction. And sometimes it does do that. It pushes in the direction of the, the physical or the more obvious need. So yeah. it's got to be a balance. And how do you keep that balance is, is what keeps you going and keeps you true to the call and the mission that God has given us. So it is a constant battle. Uh, you know, and then you can also have donors that are the other end. They say, oh, you know, you're doing all these things for the physical need, but, you know, you should have a crusade or something like that with a completely not understanding what the local context is. Right. Something that's the other end. So it's a, it's a constant battle. Yeah. Well, that, that was one of my, that was one of my next questions specifically around the education piece. I, I wanted to know how you guys, how you, how do you guys communicate this integral mission with your donor base? Do you find that there's, I mean, you mentioned it already, but you find that there's a lot of, upfront education that needs to take place before you maybe get a donor on board with how you guys function as a ministry? Yes. Yes, for sure. Because um, the the group that we're appealing to and reaching out to are essentially evangelical Christians uh, who, who are uh, understanding of the fact that, you know, there is no salvation except from following Christ. Right. Uh, so that's the basic to get them on board. But then uh, people might have different views on how that should be done. <laughs> so it could be, mm-hmm. uh, let's have a broadcast, let's have uh, a crusade, you know, and um, and that's not what works in those contexts because you'll have the government clamping down and shutting you down and that's the end of it all. So um, the whole concept of using community health evangelism, and, you know, it's a terminology that's easier understood here in, in the U.S. and the Western world. Um, though, of course, it's uh, the word evangelism is slowly becoming a uh, unacceptable word e- even in the West. Right. Uh, whereas community health evangelism speaks of very clearly what we're trying to do. Uh, it's uh, health-based. It's um, community health-related. And uh, we are evangelists to do that, to serve through word and deed uh, and in balance. But, uh, you know, having a name up front like that can can sometimes be um, uh, sort of a hindrance to the process. So uh, in some countries, especially with difficult contexts, we use the word CHE, Community Health Education. Really oh, interesting. The same thing. So uh, just for, you know, sensitivity, so places like Asia and um, in the Middle East, you could be called uh, something else instead of that. And then uh, equal in translation of that in, in Spanish or whatever the local languages to mean the same thing. But it's a, it's a consolidation of tools and uh, a, a systems that help to share the good news through word and deed. So um, as long as it brings integral mission and the purpose is the same, we could do it. So, you know, Che and integral mission are almost the same. Uh, With Che, we have multiple uh, lesson plans. It's a curriculum-based program, so it's very easy to propagate. You show people how to use the curriculum you train them in a certain aspects. We call that a TOT training, a training of trainers. And it's a five-day training, so they understand how to do it. And then depending on their own context, they can search the expanse of programs available. So at this point of time, well over 5,000 lesson plans. So they can wow. choose what they need for their particular community. You need about eight or ten things that will do it. Uh, the concept of uh, integral mission 
community health evangelism is also part of integral mission but the idea of integral mission is how do we engage the whole community in the whole gospel and uh, so a lot of emphasis is also given to exercises that bring the whole community together to look at it and maybe at some stage we can talk more about uh, how do we do some of those things uh in western oriented uh, engagement often is individual or family level engagement uh-huh. whereas uh, uh, in the whole purpose of working in a community is to align it with the community's survival strategy and we could talk about that later on what's the community survival strategy and whatever you do with that is to build and strengthen and empower its survival strategy so how do you do that both physically and spiritually is the quest so rather long answer to your simple question <laughs> no that's okay yeah and and that was one going to be one of my next follow up questions the the difference between integral mission integral mission and che or community health evangelism so is che is a a execution strategy of integral mission like is integral mission an um, umbrella term over che is yeah. Yeah. che i, I kind of sensed in there there was a bit of like che is at the individual level individual to individual level and integral mission is more community development yeah che could mean individuals and family level it can also mean whole community level integral mission really is is at the whole community level and it could be a village level it could be a township it could be a province it could be a uh, a state it could be a whole country so that's the purpose is to engage the whole gospel in the whole community so and the two terms are are kind of synonymous with each other they go yes, they go hand in hand synonymous and uh, when you say che you're looking at long term engagement um over a period of time uh, using these multiple tools and as you keep using them um, you know you you start reaching out to individuals you start reaching out to families but the ultimate purpose is to reach the whole community and see the whole community transformed for Christ that's really cool now you touched on this a little bit in in some of the the stuff you were talking about but so we've we've established this need to find balance between word and deed right so how would you encourage ministries that may be working in areas that are hostile to the gospel um and that that are careful not to communicate their gospel centeredness how can they communicate they are gospel centered while not putting their national partners in danger right. and maybe how have medical ambassadors dealt with that dilemma because i know that you guys are in some spaces that are are hostile to the gospel. Right. And and I think there's like yes, we have to be careful with our national partners and we don't want to put them in harm's way, um but we also like finding that balance is very nuanced and and we have to be careful. Um and that you touched on sometimes in country you're using community health education versus community health evangelism with the definition of that of che. Uh, are there some other things that you're doing in your communication strategies to keep your partner safe but still also communicate to your donor base like hey we we are very much gospel centered. Mm-hmm. I would say <clears throat> you know there are different levels we're talking about there's the message level. Uh messages to our support base is uh, you know will will be sort of more exploratory into the the two fields word and deed yeah uh, when you get down to our our staff then they understand clearly it's word and deed uh on the ground the focus may be more uh, the deed that is visible i think to understand this more clearly uh, one has to look at uh, the concept of the four fields are you familiar with the four, four fields of evangelism Go ahead and define it for okay. both myself and our audience. Okay, so the four fields, uh, the you know, if it's like four boxes, okay, you just 
start off with the first left top one. It's um, the sort of empty field. Okay. I don't know anything about the gospel. So this would be certain countries around the globe, uh, communist countries, countries that are predominantly Hindu or Muslim or Buddhist in their thinking. Okay. Uh, so that would be the empty field. There's, there's no one from, uh, no one has shared the gospel. It's an empty field. And uh, this whole concept is based on, you know, the example that Jesus uh, talked about, the, the parable of the sower. Uh, the field two would be the one that's a uh, seeded field. Uh, seed has been planted uh, or broadcast into the area and is beginning to sprout. It's beginning to take root. Well, very preliminary, both these, uh, field number one and field number two. Uh, field number three is the one where the, the uh, seed has uh, sprouted, it started growing, and um, all it needs then is, uh, you know, watering and fertilization and weeding and stuff like that. And um, the fourth field is the field ready for harvest. Uh, and, you know, all that needs is uh, a whole group of people. Uh, to get in there and harvest. It's ready. So if you look at globally, the the sort of fields that we have are those that are very resistant and resistant, that is one and two. Uh, receptive and very receptive, that's three and four. Uh, so in three and four kind of communities, you can be more open with with your message Mm-hmm. Approach, it's very obviously balanced and visible in the community. One and two uh, might, you know, necessitate a greater focus on deed initially, but a slower and more uh, sort of decisive, intentional spiritual input. Uh, which could be, you know, in in the form of uh, using an example of talking about a parable uh, without saying, you know, in the Bible it says in chapter 1 or whatever, this is what uh, Jesus said. You just say, a holy man shared this story about two sons. Uh, One decided to, you know, get his share of the property and leave. So that's the way Jesus talked in the context and right. so uh, it's definitely the seed uh, without the specifications right and uh, it, it's incorporated so it's intentional even though deed seems to be the predominant thing that you're doing dealing with that uh, at the same time there is an intentionality of how uh, the spiritual is also introduced and talked about. It's more sensitive in how you do it. So, um, you know, if you look at these two, uh, you will see that. So in the very resistant communities, it might take seven to nine years before we see uh, change and transformation, people coming to the Lord. And the percentage of those who come to the Lord might be much less, you know, three to four percent because they have to come out and make their allegiances in a very, very hostile environment. On the other hand, if you look at the very receptive community, uh, to become a follower of Christ is not something that uh, you know causes shame for the family. In fact, they might be excited about the change that has happened. And so it takes much less time, three to four years, to see really uh, obvious uh, transformational change. So those, mm. those are the variations in word and deed uh, across and the engagement. Now, there's another interesting thing. If you go into a community only to preach the word, you'll get into the fields three and four because they're open and receptive. They won't even let you get into one and two. Whereas if you go with both word and deed, with deed, you know, being sensitive how you do it, 
you have equal response in all four communities even the very resistant and the resistant communities will accept you because no one's going to stop you from doing good for those who are in need right so, uh, so that's the sort of um, uh basis to get in but the intentionality is very 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 important because there's a very thin line between those that would use you know sharing things to the d of uh, to missions of compassion in order to preach very thin line between them and one that goes in predominantly uh, addressing deeds but very conscious and very intentional to share uh, the word now do you guys so it's it's dependent on the culture with which you're uh, interacting in but on on the donor side you guys are a, a, an american based organization there's very clear based on what i've seen in your communication very clear communication that you are a ministry with strong evangel- evangelism and discipleship making practices in what you do um is there ever a fear that the communication that you put out um in the states is going to be seen by some of those places that are more hostile uh, to to the gospel and and know that you're working in those organizations like how do you balance that because that's a that's a fear that i've heard from a lot of ministries yes all of our communication is stateside but we're fearful that you know uh, a an organization or someone hostile to the gospel might see our website yeah and and uh, that's why you had to be great caution uh, be careful about what you put on the website so um what what we uh, do is in our closed communication so uh, when we reach out to people we uh, we know something about them we know where they stand because just reaching out to an american audience is not enough because there might be some among them who'd say uh i i feel you guys are bigots because you're talking about christ as the only way yeah so uh, it's got to be a close circuit in with those that we communicate uh so um where we are certain about them we would send them digital communication otherwise it's always um a sort of paper communication to specific people that we address our message So when you're addressing a mass audience it's very deed focused in your communication. Uh it you know we we would use the words for those that understand um and we would we would be very very careful how we say it because uh so that we don't you know um we're not giving a wrong message about what we do. Uh but the purpose is to make sure that while we're talking we would know who would respond so when you're talking about sharing the good news through word and deed uh you know there'd be those that believe in that which would was you know even if they don't understand terminology like integral mission or holistic mission or transformational uh-huh. development they would immediately feel a sense of excitement and want to know more Uh, and then um, so those communications when we send it directly to people that we know we can trust is more upfront you know mm-hmm. uh, as it gets into social media and onto our website and into broadcast information it's more guarded how we share that message interesting that's so good now the these terms that you've shared and highlighted today that are all very heavily strategy driven um right and but donors specifically when it comes to the mass fundraising side of things kind of tend to glaze over when communication is heavy on da- data and strategy um or or where it's heavily data and strategy driven so how are you guys finding balance or how have you found balance historically communicating the strategy of what you do mm-hmm. with the stories of how god is using your ministry because stories we know are much more powerfully engaging uh, when it comes to communicating to a donor base yeah great question <laughs> zack um because um you know it's it's a it's a donor education process 
Right. Uh, like I said earlier, you know, the easy sell for donors is here's a problem. You know, they were hit by a disaster. What we need to do is feed them, clothe them, get them temporary shelters or housing. Mm-hmm. We need to fix it and they're ready. Oh, here's a bunch of people who are sick, we need medicines, we need someone to go and give them medicines and your, your, you know, your donation will help fix it. Uh, so we have deliberately moved away from that kind of uh, conversation or even communication. Uh, che is a very uh, sort of process-dependent uh, program. It, it works towards making communities self-aware, um, to look at their own solutions, uh, find ways to be empowered, self-manage, self-propagate. And um, it, it doesn't appeal to certain donors, mm-hmm. which is reality. You know, we've had some of them tell us that. You know, I don't see this, you know, it's going to take too long. Why don't you go in there and fix it? You know, like... Uh, like the Marines, you know, you send in the Marines to <laughs> jump in, fix it, and get out. Yeah. So it, it, you know, that kind of solution doesn't uh, appeal to people. Uh, so it's a process. So it's a donor education process. So I, I talk about, you know, like a funnel, you know, the first people out there, as we meet them, we, we communicate. Sometimes... As a result of uh, speaking at a conference or in a church, we get those who are interested. And uh, you can see immediately as the conversation progresses that w- what they're really interested in. Right. Uh, and, you know, some will say, hey, do you sponsor kids? Do you uh, help families? Do you do relief? And then that gives us a better opportunity to move them from our first touch with them to move them further down the funnel into the into that more narrow part of the funnel where they're educated. So we're trying to make all our communication focus on that and get them to the place where they understand what we're doing. Uh, it's educating for them uh, because, you know, in, in the context where we are, uh, the, you know, there are times when the physical is not such a big deal and you get it to that stage in life where you're only conscious of the spiritual. And so your emphasis and your focus is on the spiritual. So it's donor education for them too. And I would say that's, that's the best. Uh, is One is to work in a community and let the community needs be uh, known to those that have the means but to do it in a way that is uh, empowering for both sides. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, one doesn't feel like they're the savior, uh, but they're, as a result, a better understanding of what the needs in the community are and more appreciative of what God is doing. So it's, it's a balance. And um, so that, that's why it makes it a lo- lot more complicated for us to raise funds because there is a select, clientele that would you know find certain things uh, of value empowering mm-hmm. others maybe uh, you know less appealing to someone who might prefer to have you know to be a benefactor and see beneficiaries benefiting from what they've given right so it's, it's a two-way process and so we keep trying to do both to educate the donor to understand a process and to also educate the community so that they're, you know, more benefiting out of the process. But what I find is once, once a donor is convinced, they stay with you. We have donors from way back, you know, 40 years, and some have stayed with us till they died. Wow. And, uh, including, you know, leaving a legacy for us. Oh, that's awesome. They've gone, yeah. So you've found that once you've been able to educate a donor, there's there's a, a certain level of loyalty to your organization that yes. you might not find otherwise. I, I think that that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a, you know, strangely enough, it's a very narrow field uh, where there are not much 
competitors, com- no, not many competitors, you know. Right. So now I feel like that it's only 3% on either side. It's a, it's a you know, uh, harder thing to convince people. But once they're in, they stay with you. They're, they're excited. They want to know more. They want to meet up with people who, uh, whose lives have been transformed and those that are in the field or on the field uh, engaged in the transformation process. Yeah. Now, one of the things that one of the examples I like to give in regards to the importance, communicating the importance to our ministry partners that we work with, the importance of education. Um, mm. One of the one of the brands that does this better than anybody else, I feel like, is is Tesla. So, if you go to uh, if you have a friend that owns a Tesla and you go ask them about their Tesla. Uh, in asking about their Tesla, you have to be ready for them to talk about their Tesla for the next 30 minutes. And that's because mm. Tesla has done such a good job as a brand educating their their consumer base, their customers on their product that that their their consumer is just so excited. Even people that don't uh, own a Tesla, they, they just mm. love the Tesla brand. Mm. They are excited about telling everybody that they know about a Tesla. Hmm. And and so this idea of what it could look like for ministries to uh, just do a better job of educating their donor base and getting their donor base excited to share to their own networks on Hmm. what, for instance, Medical Ambassadors is doing. And so what you're saying is you guys have found once you've been able to educate your donors, there, there's an ex- a level of excitement and loyalty within that that they go and, and want to share what you guys are doing and, and describe and, and define to their friends and family what Che is and how it's affecting communities that Medical Ambassadors is serving. Mm, mm. Have, you, have you found that that is something that's taking place within your donor base? Yes. And um, they reach out and talk to their friends. Um, and then sometimes bring their friends to us to talk to them. Hey, hey you know, I don't have That's all awesome. the details on how to explain this, but would you? And, you know, in, in, it's like um, it's the, when you broadcast and reach out to people, you find some who are who were seeking. Hey, I figured out that the gospel is both word and deed, but I haven't seen anyone. And then so you suddenly see them come in and it's like, that's exactly what I wanted to do. And there are those that um, initially, and it's it's not wrong for people wanting to do something. You know, the Good Samaritan, for example, uh, there are stages when you just need to do relief. You know, it's a handout. Right. But uh, the more important thing is the hand up. Mm. So when, when you do... Uh, you know, if you don't do something like a handout in certain stages, a person would be dead. So the uh, the person he was trying to minister to would have been dead if he hadn't done what he did. But his purpose was not just throw something and go and said, I'll come back. And if there's something more that I owe you, I will give it. Yeah. So there are stages. So in, in, in our process, we call it the transition from relief to transformational development. So you do relief, then you rehabilitate, and then uh, you know you rebuild, and then you take it beyond where it was before, uh, and that's the transformation part. So uh, it, it's a process that you need to do, uh, depending on you know where people are at, and uh, it, it's the same with the donors also. Once they've understood that it's easier for them to click with what you're doing. Yeah. So we're encouraging them, you know, um, in fact, our new donor communication strategy for the last six, seven months has been uh, to share uh, stories of transformation. That's great. We'll be happy to send it to anyone who's interested. Uh, Just Mm -hmm. get onto our mailing list and, um, you know, uh, stories that come as an a, additional part to the cover letter that you can straight away take and photocopy and hand over to someone who's a friend, just making sure it doesn't get into mm. the wrong hands. And uh, right, 
the stories of transformation how individuals changed families changed whole communities changed so that's been part of our marketing strategy now that's beautiful well ravi this has been so good i think that this is going to bring a ton of value to ministry leaders can i pray for medical ambassadors real quick yes for sure sure i was just this morning talking with uh, our regional leader from nigeria so pray for safety of our teams not just in nigeria the nigeria it's an open conflict they're trying to target christians oh wow for other countries where you know i don't want to name any of those countries but uh our staff are in danger um okay. being attacked but there's also the coronavirus that's going around that uh, people need protection from yeah and of course resources we're always uh searching for new resources you got it father i just lift up medical ambassadors and ravi as he leads this organization i pray that you would give them clear guidance and direction as um, they continue to do uh, just amazing work in word and deed for your, your name and um and your kingdom father uh, thank you so much for uh, ravi's um ability to clearly share how medical ambassadors is uh using che throughout the world i pray that um that other ministry leaders would be able to learn from some of the things that they're doing very very well um and we just lift up uh medical ambassadors partners in nigeria with some of the open conflict stuff that's going on there we pray for um the coronavirus that you would just remove that and, and take that away, Jesus. I pray that um, you would work in and through that situation and, and um, just keep people safe and heal like you um, are so uh, blatantly doing all over the world. Father, you are the ultimate physician, and so we trust mm-hmm. you in that and pray that you would protect the partners of medical ambassadors and all the other organizations that are working around the world for your name. Mm-hmm. Um and Lord, we just lift up medical ambassadors and and some of the funds that they're trying to uh, procure. I pray that you would provide in ways that uh, are just big, Father. You're you're a God of abundance, and so we pray that you would um, make that known and and just show and flex how um, awesome you are in that space and provide for medical ambassadors in ways um, that just uh, would be exciting and and blow the minds of ravi and his team jesus uh, we just love you so much we thank you that you have invited us into this story of redemption and you get you allow us to be a part of this and uh pray that you would go before ravi and his team in jesus name amen amen yeah. ravi if uh if people want to get a hold of you or learn more about che or medical ambassadors how can they do so uh, i would suggest um, uh, they can write to me Uh, my email is ravi at med-amb.org and i'll put you in touch with someone who could um answer your questions or i'll answer them myself uh, we have a website which is www.medicalambassadors.org that you can go on and learn more about che and the various activities around the world You can also uh, get in touch with me through my website which is www.ravijaykaran.com and there are several uh, self assessment tools there on the website that you can go through also you can access some of the resources that are available on rapid assessment tools and uh, about integral mission so you could see that would love to hear from you Thank you Zach for giving us this opportunity to share about uh, and to take from your your prayer uh the invitation that God has given us to share in his ministry of transformation. Mm. Uh, he has called us to be ministry partners in what he is doing and I see that more and more yeah. the more I study uh MAI I came on uh in 2017 but just as i look at the past how god engaged and transformed a whole organization to be consistent with what he believes is the way to be transformed and so it's a privilege to serve with him in what he is doing that's so good 
Well, thank you, Ravi. We appreciate your time. And uh, we'll continue to pray for your organization and your leadership of it. And, uh, yeah, we wish you guys the best. Thank you, Zach. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ministry Grow Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors, or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Grow Show, let us know. We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at reliantcreative.org. And lastly, if you need help telling your ministry story, we would love to share how we can help in that process. Check out Reliant Creative at reliantcreative.org. See you next time.